podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Shut up and sit down. Guys, Sai, welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. On the channel, we podcast series, content, and a variety of subjects, including mental health, football, films, serial killers, films, TV, conspiracy theories, writing, music, and much, much more. All of our shows are available in video format at youtube.com slash acepodcastnation or audio at the usual podcasting platforms. Uh, so today's show is a little bit different. I'm uh, joined by a YouTuber, What the Geek, and we are going to be talking some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6 and uh, finish with a little bit of speculation on Season 7 and the final season. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun. So with no further ado, please welcome my guest, popular YouTuber and the channel that I watch myself a lot. Uh, it is the wildly popular man behind YouTube channel, What the Geek. Welcome, buddy. Thank you, bro. I wouldn't say highly popular, but okay, cool. Yeah, it is. It is. You get like thirty thousand follower uh, subscribers, haven't you? Or something? Close, close to that. Yeah. Popular. Oh, thank you so much. It's pretty popular. I enjoy it because well, the one thing I find, like I do, I you know, I like watching YouTube and stuff, uh, like Marvel stuff, and uh, like when I got into Agents of Shield, like a few of the big channels who I watch. They kind of did it for the first season, and then they don't talk about it anymore. Um, so it's quite difficult to find like a decent channel which speaks about it. Uh, and then I came across your channel, and you go into detail with it and discuss all different theories, which I enjoy a lot because it's uh, it's yeah, not very many people are doing what you're doing, and it's good. But of course, you do videos on other stuff as well, don't you? Like different TV shows and stuff. Yeah, I do. I think it's the, the the thing is it's it's all because it's for me it started and it still is some kind of a hobby. That's why I end up responding to every single comment. That's why I've got the Discord server on the side where, you know, even if I don't always participate in the conversations, uh, I still you know read all of it and enjoy all of it. And whenever I have an opinion, I kind of uh, jump in and pitch it. But generally speaking, it's 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 all about the social aspect of it. It's fun. People will uh, drop a um, a comment here, a comment there. Uh, it's it it. I just enjoy the conversations. Let's put it that way. So, and and Ages of Shield has been one of my favorite series for a long while now. That that kind of helps. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, like Ages of Shield, I haven't been as into a TV show as I am in as enjoying every episode since the likes of sort of prison break and probably maybe like lost the first sort of couple of seasons of that they, they were the last ones which really got me sort of this interested and like looking into different aspects of it well we're going to um, argue a lot if we start talking about lost because uh, yeah i'm, I'm one of those downhill. people who's oh actually i'm, I'm opposed to uh your opinion on that i do love lost all the way to the end and I've got a lot of opinions on that because I think the, the problem with Lost is a lot of people 
like got the 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 answers or, or 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 got the conclusion the wrong way. Like some people will go and argue that we're all dead all the time. I don't think they were all dead all the time. I think no. it's pretty obvious they weren't. And then there is season three had bad episodes. I'm gonna agree with that. I mean, yeah. there was that one shitty episode, the one with um, uh, the, the 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 diamonds, the the yeah. uh, Paolo and Nikki. That was annoying. That that was just insanely annoying. It was out of sync with everything else. There were a couple of moments here and there that were not so good about this season, but I do believe like the series did well all the way to the end until season six. And no matter how much we argue on whether or not it was a good series, I think a lot of people would agree that Lost kind of changed the landscape of how you do television at the time. It was 2004 to 2010. And the way it came out of the blue, did something different. It was just amazing. And it, and, and it kind of built for what came next on TV in general. Like there was a new benchmark to compete with. That's my opinion about Lost, but that's just me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I've got to say, like, I should clarify, Lost is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And it is, I see that as the benchmark to everything, just from a personal point of view. And um, the, like the first two series, uh, yeah, the first two seasons I really, really enjoyed. And then I think it was like three and four, it was five in total, and it was six. Like the middle two, I saw, I've still watched every second of it, and I still enjoyed it. And then the end of it kind of picked up. My opinion on that as well is I think people got annoyed that after the first sort of season, everyone was guessing that it was this one thing. And uh, the the writers and that said, oh, no, it's not that. And then in the end, it kind of was quite similar to what people were guessing. And I feel like that soured some people on it. But it's still one of the best TV shows ever done. It is. Um, and funny enough, like recently I've watched I watched Prison Break all five seasons again. And um the first season of Prison Break is one of my favorite like individual series of all time. So good. And obviously these days a lot of series don't go that sort of twenty four episodes. They tend to be shorter. And I watched, like I say, the first series recently. And sort of at all 20, I think it's 23 episodes. Like it takes the story on episode, every episode. At the end of every episode, you want to watch the next episode straight away. And uh, I feel like Lost was the first uh, show as well where people wanted to binge watch it rather than wait each week for an episode. I feel like that was the start of binge watching. True, true. Lo- lo- because I think the. Uh, it's 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 similar to Ages of Shield. Like when you think about it, it's like okay, it it kept everyone on their toes. Like everyone is waiting to figure out what's going on. So that was not um, that 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 made it kind of exciting. But at the same time, people were like, you know, it, it was like really irritating to wait from week to week to figure out what goes next. Um, I don't think it was all that expected. I mean, some people theorized something. I think the people who had the problem with that, the, the, they are all dead all the time. These are the people who were disappointed because they think they were dead all the time. They weren't dead all the time. But other than that, I don't think a lot of people kind of expected what went down. And some of the some of the characters acted over there are kind of my favorites of all time, like uh, Terry, o- uh, Terry O'Quinn in the role of uh, John Locke. I, I really love that role. I was actually re-watching 
uh, Endgame a couple of days ago. And you know the moment that everyone starts coming out of the portals, that look on Thanos' face? It kind of reminded me of that look on John Locke's face on the finale of the series when Jack tells him, when he tells him, you don't understand what I'm doing. And then Jack goes and tells him, yeah, you're going for the place I'm sworn to protect, yada, yada, yada. And you think you're going to do this and do that. And he was like, I think. He's like, yeah, because I'm going to kill you. And that look on John uh, John Locke's face, I, I was, seriously, I was looking at Thanos' face at that moment on uh, Endgame, and I was thinking, you know, that reminds me of John Locke on that mm-hmm. scene. Just, yeah, I, I, I've watched Endgame several times now, and it's still, still a masterpiece in my eyes. It is, and it, it was, is. It's just so good. And I think when you've got something which is like sort of 12 years of storytelling, yeah, and then you've got the, this big sort of finale of three hours for it, and they bring everything together and they tie up pretty much everything. That's always going to be like if you if you're one of the people like us who've watched pretty much every film and most TV shows, if not all TV shows, which are completely yeah. linked to this whole universe, and then you watch this three-hour sort of masterpiece of and you just see every little Easter egg and every little payoff of every little thing, and you appreciate all of it, what it is. And I think I'm not sure that it'll ever be done again because other people have tried to, to like, mimic the MCU, whether it be DC or, you know, um, other franchises, and I don't think they've come close to getting the right feel for the the interlink and stuff and the vibe and the, just the everything. True, like true, the... agreed. I think the only thing where, where the only time where DC came close, not to linking, but to creating a masterpiece of the sort was the Dark Knight trilogy. It's my favorite yeah. uh, when it comes to, I mean, I prefer the Dark, uh, the Dark Knight trilogy over some, a decent amount of the Marvel movies, not all of them, but a lot of them. Uh, Christian Bale is an amazing actor as well. Christopher Nolan is an amazing director. So those three movies were amazing. And they they should have built on that. I think they should have used Christopher Nolan a lot more. I would have used him as a creative director for DC, to be honest, because the guy... And this is just... This is popular opinion as well. I mean, look at all the ratings of the Christopher Nolan movies on not just IMDb, but on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, on that uh, Metacritic... All his movies are up there, like Memento. Um, now I'm drawing a blank on the rest of his movies, but every single yeah. one of his movie is movies are up there. Inception, uh, you know, all of these movies, they're amazing. And then he did these three movies with the Bat- with Batman, with the Dark Knight, and they were really good, and they should have kind of capitalized on that, I think, DC. But then they kind of totally ignored that. They, I don't think they even tried to get Christopher Nolan back to do more for them. Because if they would have, they they would have, yeah, they 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 would have had a very good run, I suppose. Yeah, and I think they what they should have done is used the Dark Knight trilogy as their stepping stone, like Marvel did with with um, with Iron Man, and then go from there and use Christopher Nolan to introduce you know different characters into that universe and that sort of uh, that timeline if you like exactly and I, but they just kind of wanted to start again and they never they haven't been able to capture the same interest and the same storytelling in pretty much any of their films since but 
I'm not a big fan of the DC recent stuff. I, Suicide Squad was the only one where I was like, I can watch it and it's okay. Well, I didn't think it was amazing, but I didn't think it was terrible. I, I do agree. On a comedy level, I really loved Suicide Squad on an improvement over a lot of other stuff. I do, really did like it. Uh, I know a lot of people are out there screaming, Wonder Woman was great. Wonder Woman was great. I never thought Wonder Woman was great. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm, I'm opposed to a lot of opinions on Wonder Woman. I didn't like Aquaman. I did not, definitely did not like either Batman v Superman or Justice League. I, I, I always kept hoping for better. And I'm a fan of Ben Affleck, by the way. He's a good actor, but just the role of Batman was not for him. The role of Superman is not for Henry Cavill either. Whoever is writing for that role is really doing a bad job and Henry Cavill does not really give you I mean the kind of emotion that you want to see with Superman I mean you don't want to see him crying and being a crybaby and all, all emotional and whatnot but at the same time he's like very you know zero emotion in the role in my opinion again yeah, he's all, robotic, all he? yeah 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 very very unemotional and I, I don't like that um I'm having high hopes for the Joker. I think it's going to be a good movie. But yeah, he's a um, good actor. Um, yeah. oh, what's his name? Um, uh, you walk in. Uh, yeah, Phoenix. I Phoenix, think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's um, he's really, really good actor. Um, and he's much. He's like Christian Bale, where he really throws himself, you know, into roles in a very sort of method actory type way. And then um, yeah. he's, you know, he's played some incredible roles over the years one of my favorite christian bale roles is um in the mechanic. machinist Mac, uh, um, machinist sorry uh, mechanic was jason statham sorry yeah, yeah. no no mechanic. the machinist uh, yeah machinist. where he um and he lost all that weight to play the role and it's yeah yeah it's like it's normally not like i don't know like if i like if i would read the sort of the gump about it now, I'd be like, oh, I don't really know, don't know if I fancy that. But it was at a time where I just had like Netflix or something on, all right, and I just put it on, and it was at, so good, so yeah. so good. At the time, it was really good. I think I I liked Christian Bale since he uh, portrayed the role, his role in um, not even Equilibrium, even before that, American Psycho. I did not like his role yeah, over there. Awesome, then Equilibrium awesome. was really good. One of the many movies where Sean Bean manages to die, like, right away. Because that's what Sean Bean does. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no. Uh, I, American Psycho is one of my favorite uh, favorite films of all time, actually. Okay. So let's uh, let's go on to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, like one of the reasons I really, really like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is that, every, for me, personally, like, every season's got better. Um, but then saying that, I was looking earlier at uh, the first season on Rotten Tomatoes has got an 88% approval rating and uh, with an average rating of something like, uh, I think it's 7.83 out of 10. And then as they go through the series, they go up to like season two's 91. Uh, third season's got a 100% approval rating. Um, so like, and I do feel that that's like a fair reflection of the way the series went. Like the first series, I felt like they tried really hard to try and link it up to the movies, and they struggled. Agreed. And then, and then in season two, they started to step away from that and do their sort of own thing. 
they did some links with the Winter Soldier for season two. But then by season three, obviously, they introduced the Inhumans and they kind of stepped completely away from trying to fit into the main MCU and just did their own thing with comic book characters. And they sort of did like a Secret Warriors take. They, they, they still did a couple of references, though. I mean, I remember season yeah. three was the Sokovia Court. So there were right. there was a little bit of this and that over there. But yeah, they kind of went a little bit independent. And I agree on season one, by the way. The only uh, thing, because I was watching season one before uh, season um, six started, and uh, I, I even did a few videos, like a series that I called uh, the rewatch for Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. And looking at the first season, you start realizing, yeah, it, at the time you didn't think it was that good or that great. And they kind of struggled, and you could notice when you were rewatching it, yeah, they're doing this thing where they're trying at all times, at every turn, to just mention the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies and whatnot. But at the same time, when you rewatch it, you realize, okay, these guys did have a plan. Like, there is a little bit of a Ghost Rider hint on season one. There is There are a lot of hints, actually, on season one that leads up into the rest of the series. There's a little bit of a hint to Inhumans, if I remember correctly. There are just a lot of hints to a lot of stuff that we kind of did not see coming at the time. So for us, it was like, yeah, they're just trying to reference the comics. They're just trying to reference the um, the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe, if we can call it that. But you, you rewatch, now that you know all about the future seasons, you're like, oh, you know what? They did have a plan. They did plan to do this on season two. They did plan to do a little bit of this on season three. Not, not, not necessarily on season two and season three, but they did have a plan. It doesn't matter when they plan on doing it, but they did have a plan because they did do it in the end. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And I think the one of the things I really like about it is there's not many bad episodes, you know, like the whole six seasons. There's, you know, might be the odd one, which sort of go a bit quiet and in terms of get moving the story along, but they're still entertaining and there's still things going on. And I feel like the storytelling for every season has been exceptional. And I feel like because it's a comic book series, it sometimes doesn't get the credit that it deserves for, for you know, for that basis alone, just for the, the way they tell their stories. And they pay off things from early in the season at the end of the season. They don't very often kind of leave you hanging with... They mention something and then go away from it or leave it. They they do tend to pay everything off. What um, what's like what? Which one's your favourite series? Uh, yeah, which one's your favourite series? Hello. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Uh, the the, the, the voice was cutting in and out for a moment. But uh, well, another. I think one of the major problems uh, with um. Well, the entire situation with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think this is a problem that a lot of people have with the series, is the, and, and this might be the issue, why it's not getting the recognition, as you mentioned. It's basically all about the fact that people are always expecting the series has got to mention the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe. They've got to do it to tie-ins and whatnot. And uh, I've, I've talked about that last week. I think it's like the silliest argument you could make. I think... It's, I mean, I don't mean to insult or offend anyone, but it is the silliest argument 
that you could make. It is extremely shallow because at the end of the day, if you're you watching this thing just because they're going to mention the movies, then you're really wasting your time. You, you want to watch this because it presents a good story. If it doesn't present a good, good story, then to hell with it. But you're not going to sit in front of your TV for an hour a week just to listen to them say the name Thanos or say the name uh, Tony Stark. That, that's just a waste of time, in my opinion. So when you look at people watching the series who say flat out, I'm just watching this for, uh, you know, the mentions, the, the references, the, uh, the movie tie-ins, I'm like, so, I mean, why? Why are you doing this? Yeah, because in the end, it's not like they're going to resolve the Thanos issue on the series. So that's, no. that's never going to happen. So if they're not going to resolve it, mentioning it is just nonsensical, in my opinion. Uh, they're not going to resolve the Ultron issue on the uh, on the series, so mentioning it once again might be nonsensical. In the end, this is my opinion. There's the possibility of paralleling stuff, like when they when they did Doctor Strange in the movies, they did uh, Ghost Rider on the series. Uh, there's a little bit of a relation there. Not going to go into the details, but you do this kind of thing over here, you do that kind of thing over here. That's kind of mirroring it. You know what I mean? But it's not necessarily that you it's not necessary i mean that you're gonna see them deal with the same situation that the movies are dealing with and furthermore and this is something that i i was thinking about a couple of days ago there's always the issue of how do the avengers not just deal with the graviton issue because at the same time they were dealing with the infinity war issue how do the avengers or does shield not think of dealing with the other situation uh, why are not the avengers called upon to do this or do that well, well, I always tell people, think about it this way. Every nation worldwide has got uh, multiple, uh, let's call it security entities, and every entity deals with something different, you know, because it's, unless it's an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation, but generally speaking, uh, you cannot ask the FBI, for example, in the U.S. to deal, not an American, by the way, so I'm just giving an example, a random example, but you cannot expect them to deal with a murder case. That's not their role, really, you know what I mean? Yes. It's, it's an entity is about espionage, another one is about the, 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 the cops and whatnot, they're about the murder cases, your daily homicides, all of that stuff, but you cannot just try to link it all with one entity. It's, it's one of the other shallow statements that people make like i mean yeah suspension of belief is important but don't completely detach of reality because that makes you ask questions that are kind of silly it's me though that's that's my opinion again respect everyone's opinion but that's just my opinion there yeah and the thing is like just because i'd rather the tv like i'd rather the series be good and compelling and like have me emotionally invest in the characters than just a bit of a shower of shit and then occasionally they mention Thanos or one of the Avengers or something. I don't want, you know, that's, that's, that doesn't make it good. That just, yeah, it links it up. And yes, yeah, we'd all like it silly. all to be yeah. a linked world, but I'd rather it be good and just have the odd thing now and again, which just lets you know that they're, you know, they're linked, but it doesn't have to be every scene is like in your face that they're part of the you know it's part of the wider mcu and i feel like where they've gone away from trying to continually show that they're part of the mcu and they have just sort of mirrored it and 
you know, just made the, the odd reference. I feel like that's made it better because they've concentrated a bit more on, you know, the characters that they can use rather than hoping to use Nick Fury or Maria Hill or whoever to, to link it up to the, the films. True. You know, Agreed. where they've got people like Ghost Rider and stuff like that. I feel like that that was a hell of a lot more captivating than season one when they <coughs> sorry <coughs> when nick fury came in at the end nick fury jasper sitwell uh maria hill uh, he, he had a lot of characters actually show up either from the one shots or uh from the uh from the movies but in the end uh, i agree i mean it, it, it's nonsensical to look towards that and in the end you've got your original tie-ins because you got all these characters in the first couple of seasons that does do the job for you. For me, they did the job. I mean, that was the build-up phase. Like, we're trying to push the series forward. But now the series has been has become capable of referencing itself. Besides, there was the, 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 the mob mentality in all of this. Like, you know, the movies are the better thing, so they got to be referenced. Who cares that the movies reference the series? But then at, at some point in time, it starts sounding like groveling. Like, we're basically yeah. groveling. The, the series are groveling. Jeff Loeb, in an interview prior to the airing season six, when he said the movies are the big dogs, so we kind of, like, he was saying something in, in that, that kind of sounds like we're walking in their shadow, and that started sounding like, okay, dude, groveling too much, screw the movies, do a good job at the series, the hell with the movies, the hell with Kevin Feige, the hell with everything, respect Kevin Feige, love the movies, but at this point, screw the movies, who cares about the movies? Let's just do, you need to do a good job with the series, and we're going to enjoy it if it's a good story. Well, absolutely, and I think <clears throat> they they probably got a better chance of ever having. Well, they if they weren't finishing after this next series, they probably got a better chance of having someone like Kevin Feige say, "Oh no, you can have this character or this character," if all the series are uh, keep being really really good. Now, obviously, that didn't happen, and they're finishing up next year. But I suppose you never know who will turn up. Uh, what's your favorite season? I think season four would be my favorite. Like to to be to be more specific, it's the Agents of Hydra arc that that was my favorite. Yeah, I I like season four. I liked that they kind of broke it into like three yeah parts, three separate parts, and yeah. all the three parts were were really really good because you had like the ghost ghost ride a bit in the first eight, I think seven or eight episodes, and then. You had the LMD bit in the middle, and then it finished with the last six or seven episodes with the sort of the what if of Agents of Hydra, which I thought was, you know, really creative and it was really good. Um, I also enjoyed season five and the space in the future, um, even though I was a little bit disappointed after the first episode because I, you know, where they showed the clip at the end of season four where they woke up in space. But you obviously didn't didn't know where it was going at that point. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for that sort of the sword, uh, yeah. sort of being the next stage of their storytelling. But I really enjoyed, you know, them going to the future and doing it something a bit different. It was very good. Yeah. So I, I, I was thinking the same thing. But but in the end, uh, well, the, the 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 great thing about season four, since we we start with that. Or 
season four is the best, I think, overall, because it had the best arc for me, and the best arc with the Agents of Hydra arc. Uh, I did love the acting by uh, Mallory Jensen in the role of um, Ada, or uh, Ophelia. But one of the things that I, I think my favorite episode, I think it was called All the Queens, uh, All the Madam's Men. It was the episode uh, that ended with Coulson on TV. I do remember this episode because I did like the speech at the very end, you know, when he's talking on TV. And then in the end, he, he, the, the, the thing is, he's kind of like, he, he did recognize Daisy, but he doesn't remember shit about his life. He doesn't remember that he's an agent of, an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. But then in the end, and he still doesn't remember, but he says it with so much seriousness because the truth is, I'm not this, I'm not that. I'm, and he takes off his glasses and he lifts his badge and he's like, my name is Phil Coulson and I'm an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. He still doesn't believe it or doesn't realize it, but it, it was an interesting scene. I did love it. Um, it's, it, it, I mean, I'm a history buff, so I could relate to that moment because there are moments in history when such a move was needed, you know, waking up the... And when such a move actually took place, you know, waking people up from, you know, being all, you know, embroiled in shit and whatnot and accepting a shit and whatnot. But but yeah, that 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 was beautiful. That was uh, brilliant, a brilliant arc. The LMD arc in general was uh, my second favorite uh, because, again, uh, Mallory Jansen did a great job over there. Um, I forgot the name of the guy. He's the guy from Spartacus. I, I love the actor, uh, the guy who played... Um, I'm 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 drawing a blank on names right now for some reason. Okay. Uh, the doctor guy, I forgot the name for some reason, and right now. But anyway, um, I loved his I loved his role over there. Uh, the guy who died in the end. Uh, yeah. Loved the Ghost Rider arc. I mean, they did some variations there. It wasn't as opposed to a lot of people. It wasn't my favorite of the season, uh, but it was pretty solid. Uh, they did a few changes there from the comics, a few devi deviations with Eli Morrow, because Eli Morrow is supposed to be the kind of the spirit of vengeance there. Not exactly a spirit of vengeance, but the spirit of vengeance there. He's supposed to be the ghost rider, but he's not. He, he was changed into this entire thing where it was kind of similar to Molecule Man out of the comics, which again was a good twist. And they, they kind of managed, and this is one of the things I love about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they kind of managed to do little things that have totally that that are loosely based in the comics but not totally based in the comics and then pick out of many stories because they kind of find this workaround like if we try to use molecule man marvel studios will probably say no and then marvel, marvel television would ha will have to abide so what we're going to do is we're going to take eli morrow we're going to take what we've got and then we're going to play with that story and kind of give him spice him up and make him into a little bit of a molecule man no one will notice well everyone will notice but in the end we, we did it and no one can say we used uh molecule man because we never said owen reese or used owen reese and that's 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 one of the things i loved about the the first part in season four uh but yeah all in all like you said every season after they try started kind of a little bit detaching themselves themselves from the movies has been a good ride and a better ride. That that's what happened with season four. That's what happened with season five. My only complaint about season five is Duff Cameron because I really didn't like her yeah, role. Didn't do. I felt like she could have added to the series, um, but I felt like they didn't write that well for her, and then she didn't bring her normal sort of the the kind of things which have 
got her reputation. Yeah. She didn't bring those to the character, so she never really kind of got going. Um, and like I was quite similar to you, I didn't really enjoy it. Do- was it uh, Dr. Radcliffe, wasn't it? With, uh, John yeah, Hannah. Holden, Holden Radcliffe, yeah, Holden Radcliffe. Yeah. And John Hanna played him, who's obviously a real yep. good actor. Yeah, sometimes um, I draw blanks with the names for some reason. It just drops out of my head. There's so many of them in there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so season six, it kind of started um, a year after the death of Colson and their shield is rebuilding after the sort of the battle around the lighthouse and whatnot. Um, and their fix was in space. Um, and I was at the end of season five. It took me a couple of seconds to realize that Fitz was still in space. I kind of thought they'd killed him off, um, which they did again at the end of this season. I thought they'd killed off um, May until the very last second. So they kind of sold me a ticket on both, which is good because it meant that I was kind of engrossed in the storyline rather than thinking, oh, what's, what are they going to do here and what's going to happen next? I was just enjoying it for what it was. Um, so they sent uh, Daisy, Gemma, and the other two, which I can't remember the name of, um, up into space to look for Fitz, Piper, and Davis. Ah, uh, that's it, yeah. And then um, I was, and then they were the uh, no, Enoch was with Fitz, wasn't he? Uh, of course, yep. and then um, the first like 10 to 15 minutes of it, I didn't. It took me a while to get into it, but by the end of the, that, that first episode, I was like, right, I'm really happy this series is back. They've done a really good job again of building the suspense ready for the rest of the season. Obviously, you see, you meet Sarge towards the end, who looks like Coulson, um, and they bring on uh, Dr. Benson from the S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy and stuff for science support. And I felt like it was a good start to the season without being um, like electric, sort of full of action where you were going to sort of, you were like, wow. But I felt like it was, a, they gave you enough to make you want to keep watching. They, they, yeah, they gave you some, but not too much. And I think the reason is because season five ended as a, a possible finale, finale to the series. So when they when they came back for season six to try to do it, I think they wanted to kind of start to build up from scratch because, like, what shall we do after the ending of last season? We've got a lot of explaining to do in order to bring about all these characters back and explain what's been going on. So I think that's why it wasn't too action-packed. I mean, it was action-packed towards the end when Sarge showed up, but, yeah, they didn't want to go with that in that direction from the get-go. I, I suppose that's that's my... My personal uh, opinion there. Uh, another thing, when when since you mentioned the premiere of the season and the death of Fitz and uh, the death of Coulson, is uh, it's it, it reminds me that the way Fitz is alive is because we're in a new timeline, regardless of whether it is or not. It's the movie's timeline because I don't want to get into that. But the Shit. point is, when you think about it, Ages of Shield kind of did time travel before Avengers Endgame. And they kind of did it in the same manner. And they didn't yeah. know about what they were going to do on Endgame. So it's kind of like 
that they did a good job with it. And a lot of people would say it was linear and all of that. But in the end, it was like explained three times. Last season, Deke explained it. If I survive, if I don't disappear, that means multiverse. And then this season, he kind of explained it two times again. He did it with uh, Mac once when he was angry and all of that. Like he never told me about the death of Fitz and whatnot. The other time was when he was kind of gloating. Yeah, I know it was the other Fitz, but hey, I was right. It was multiverse. So in that sense... And this is not the only time. This is the one time I remember because it's in close memory, recent memory. But in the end, multiple times, S.H.I.E.L.D. has explained stuff or done stuff and excelled at it. Because if you think of the possibility that they do, that the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm talking about the movies when I'm saying the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but if, when you think about the movies possibly in the future doing Secret Invasion, LMDs was considerably a Secret Invasion. So Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of did that and kind of excelled at it. The movies are going to do it on a bigger scale. They're going to have a bigger budget. It's going to be amazing, the visuals, all of that stuff. But in the end, within their budget, and this is always how I evaluate this stuff because a lot of people will complain, oh, this is nowhere near the quality of the movies. Yes, there are budget constraints. you got to think of that yeah. when you're watching a TV series. you got to think of all the factors before evaluating. So when you're looking at a, at a TV series, Try to replace the idea. Try to give the weight of the visual effects. Or let me put it, how, how do I want to put it? Try to put the weight on visual effects to a limit, a little bit of a lower limit than you do with the movies, and then put the rest of the weight on the story itself. So, but, but they did an amazing job with it on season four. So that's one of the things that I really loved about the beginning of season six, the whole multiverse thing, the whole the fact that they explained it, and the fact that they explained it since last season, so no one could say, oh, they're explaining it now because Avengers Endgame happened. Uh, and, and, and even then, it was filmed before Avengers Endgame released and before they knew anything about Endgame. And I know a lot of producers will say, or the producers of Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. will say, we know, but that's a business tactic. They cannot say we're out of sync. Like, they cannot say that two divisions within Disney are just totally out of sync and ignoring one another and they have a feud. That's never going to be said. So, yeah, they did not know. It's kind of obvious they didn't know shit about Endgame, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing is, as well, is they, um, with the special effects, like, even now, when they do the Disney Plus TV series, like they're, they're calling them TV series, but really... They're just going to be like a long film of four hours or five hours, however many episodes they are, with the budget of films. So they, from a special effects point of view, you can't compare what's going to be on Disney Plus to what ABC have got with Agents of Shield because it's it's a, like a whole different ball ball game in terms of budget. Um, and I thought season five when they were in the future. They did really well. You could tell that they didn't use that as many special effects. Like the the sets and everything was quite basic because they spent a lot of time in the lighthouse um, and like on a ship and stuff. So it was kind of like all similar kind of set. There wasn't a great deal of special effects, I think, till towards the end of the season. Whereas season six, I feel like there was a bit more. Uh, yeah, the budget was reduced effects. before season five, and I th and and it most probably got reduced before season six with thirteen episodes. But I'm thinking the reduction 
in budget for season six was most probably not proportionate to the reduction in episodes. So because of that, they had the kind of money they need in order to do more because CGI costs tons. So they, yeah. they, all of that stuff, they, they, they probably uh, had a cut because you, you're going to cut the number of episodes. You're definitely going to cut the budget. It makes a lot of sense from a business point of view, from a profitability point of view. But in the end, I think the cut was not as big as the cut in the number of episodes. So let's say the number of episodes have been cut in half. It's not exactly half, but let's say half. The budget cut was probably like 40 to 45, maybe even 30%. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of helped probably with season six, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think I thought season six, the special effects, when they use them, are really good. The CGI, when they use it, really it was really good. Um, they did some stuff with the in the first couple of episodes where Sarge and Jacko and Snowflake and the other one, uh, Pax, Pax, come through the wall. Yeah. Um, like when they first arrive and some stuff with the track they did throughout the series, which it all looked really, really good. And the stuff mm. with the the the, the planes, um, you know, it it all looked really good and really sharp. Um, and I have to say, I think the all the way through all the series, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. special effects compared to some of the CW shows, I think there's a big difference. Um, but that's just me. I kind of, I do watch some of the CW shows, um, some of them, but I don't, you know, they're kind of like, they're a bit too... They're not like I don't know. They're not compelling, shall I say? I do. I do watch all of them. I think the first couple of seasons for almost each and every one of them. My favorite season for Supergirl, for example, was the first season, the one that most people complained about a lot. My favorite for Arrow was the first couple of seasons. My favorite for The Flash was the first couple of seasons as well. Legends of Tomorrow. It's a little bit different. I mean, I didn't like the second. I think the second and third or. Th- yeah, second and third seasons more than the others, uh, more than the first and fourth. And Black Lightning, I think I so far I'm liking Black Lightning uh, both seasons. But the problem with these series is they kind of focused on the wrong thing. And this is another thing about Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. that they do well. I'm not usually a shipper, but Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of forces you into shipping because they do it so well. They bring it about naturally in the middle of the story. It's just part of the run of the story. Like with Fitzsimmons, for example. Yeah, yeah. But then they, you um, go and look at uh, the the DC series. Uh, when you look at DC, you're looking at uh, West Allen and you're looking at Elicity, and it all starts feeling forced. Like yeah, it's it's absolutely forced over you, kind of shoved down your throat, and the focus goes on those things. And I don't like it when the focus shifts to those kind of things. Definitely, 100%. And the thing is... Because you're ignoring the story, pretty much. Yeah, and I think if you look at some of the storylines which um, Fitzsimmons have had throughout the six seasons, both together but also individually, they've shown a really good acting range and a good... I particularly like when um, Fitz... I think it's season two maybe season one where Fitz has the kind of, he's got like a head injury um, and 
Gemma's trying to help him and he's getting really frustrated and she's getting really frustrated. And I find that really interesting because it's, it's like a different problem for them to solve. And for, for a while, it was a problem that these two really intelligent people couldn't solve. Um, and it's just something a bit different. But they've obviously had their individual stories rather than it all being about, like, Fitzsimmons as a unit. Yeah, and it's a different kind of on-screen relationship. I mean, some people are hating the fact that they always separate them. But I think that's one of the strengths, like, like, like the strength points of the series. Because what they're doing over there is they're basically not doing the conventional lovey-dovey crap. I mean... Yeah, people love, fall in love and all of that and out of love and all that good stuff, but they're not doing it in the conventional sense. It's more realistic. Shit happens. It's not always, oh, we are the Flash. She's his lightning rod. That's just bullcrap. And it does not, generally speaking, does not happen in real life. So the, the, this whole aspect of these uh, series, and the big problem with these series as well is they've created the... the the Arrowverse series, because they kind of encourage that kind of mentality. By the way, they offer their content. They started getting to a point where they created these toxic fan bases, like the fan bases that are going to uh, complain uh, nonstop. So if you complain about Elicity, you're, femi- you're anti-feminist. And if you complain, complain about West Allen, you're anti-feminist and racist. And if you complain about Barry Allen, then you're anti-feminist and racist because Barry Allen is husband to Iris West Allen. It's kind of crappy, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, mentality, the mentalities have become extremely silly. And if you yeah. go and complain about Laurel Lance, for example, you're no longer racist because people are because this group of fans are fans of Elicity. So if you go and uh, complain about Laurel Lance, it's not a problem. So it's basically hypocrisy kind of veiled into like they're so invested in one aspect of the story that's got nothing to do with the title like Felicity has not got has gotten literally got nothing to do with the arrow title i mean cool he's in love he's married whatever but in the end it's got nothing to do with the title the title is arrow because it's about this guy who's a vigilante yada 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 the flash it has got nothing to do with iris west she's part of the story she's not supposed to be the entire story but then you created this toxic fan base. They've, they've literally paused their brain and their thinking process in favor of supporting a relationship on a TV series and ignoring the core aspect of the series, which is basically the superhero. And the thing about I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm not gonna because I don't remember the quote over here, but the I'm I'm gonna remind you of a quote. You probably watched Kill Bill, did you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you think of superheroes, you want to have the thing that comes to mind is talking about them in the way that Bill talks about Superman at the end of the movie. You know, there is there's something to be learned from, not necessarily learned, but you know what I mean. You know, there's something, uh, there's a conclusion to to have when you watch these things, and the conclusion should definitely not be. Oh, Iris West Allen is his rod. Our, our, that, that's not that's not supposed or lightning rod. Let's not say rod because that sounds a little <laughs> bit dirty. But <laughs> but hey, Iris West Allen is his lightning rod. That that's not supposed to be the conclusion you come out with from the Flash. That, that's not supposed to be the conclusion. Yeah, that's it. And it's, it's like 
like that's one of the reasons I went off the flash was that I felt like they focused too much on that aspect of the story. Like I don't mind having the relationship part of it and that's good. That expands the characters and the the their reasoning for doing what they do and making the decisions that they make. But I felt like it was just like constant. Every episode was like like an argument in their relationship at one point and it was just like I don't want to watch this. Yeah, it becomes it gets to becomes to to be twenty twenty out of forty minutes or twenty five out of forty minutes or forty five minutes an episode where it's all about Iris and about the relationship, and not about the Flash, which is the title. Because I'm watching, because I'm 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 watching a movie titled Love in the Time of Cholera. Cholera. I ex- I expect to see love, and I expect to see to to that 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 there's that. There's a widespread of cholera, but if, if you don't yeah. get, if it ends up being AIDS, that's not the movie I'm watching. If it ends up yeah. being cancer, that's not the movie I went to watch. If it ends up being about two people fighting and killing one another, that's not the movie I'm watching. In the same manner, I'm watching a series about the Flash. This is supposed to be about the Flash, not about, you know, the relationship. And and the, the thing is, uh, just to be honest as well, it's not just the toxic fandom that supports this aspect. It's also the toxic fandom on the other side because for some reason people have become extremists on every side of things because so 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 there are the extremists who are very west allen they insult you if you say something about uh you know the storyline being bad so you're insulting iris you're racist blah 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 all of that stuff and then on the other end if you're talking about if there's there, there's the other group that has always had it in for iris and that, that group is basically partially some of them at least are a lot of them are actually a little bit racist because they're like, because I've heard this statement, oh, but Iris in the comics was white. Iris was a woman. That's what matters. I mean, full honesty, yeah. Iris was a woman. That's what matters. So yeah. she's still a woman. She's still the love of his life. It's the story. It's not her uh, skin tone or skin color. That's extremely stupid. And I've got nothing against um, Candace Patton, who portrays the role. I actually liked her acting at, a, at certain points in time until they kind of tried to force it and when they forced it the writing for her became bad which made her character a little bit annoying it's the same yeah. thing that happened with uh, felicity on arrow because she started off as this light character she shows up she lightens up the mood she's funny she's you know this 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 geeky nerdy person you kind of like her and yeah the crush on uh, oliver queen that was kind of funny as well that was kind of interesting even when they started falling for one another on season three or him falling for her, at least, I was like, you know, it's kind of cool. It's kind of uh, fun. So far, so good. But then when the relationship kind of took over in season four and the entire series revolved around the idea that Felicity is the most important person in the universe, that this, this show is now 20% Arrow, 80% Felicity, or Elicity, whatever you want to call it, that's when I started having a problem with it. Yeah, and it's like... The way I look at it is, is similar to what you just said about like if you're watching something, it's like I'm watch if I'm watching I'm watching these comic book movies and what uh, or TV programs I'm watching Arrow I'm watching Flash to see the kind of like the vigilantes fighting the week's bad guy whichever week you know whichever bad guy turns up this week and that sh- I want that to be the focus with then like an overarching villain who's going to progress through the season 
and then the relationships should be like they should be part of the series and i want to see like i said the relationships and because that's going to influence all the different characters and the decisions they make but they should be quite a small part of the series and it should just be i don't know it's difficult it's just i find it really frustrating because i really enjoyed the first season of the flash um and i think by the end of season two i was almost done with it um but there we go it is I, 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 I suppose I was kind of I was kind of fine with uh, with with the second season of the Flash actually, a little bit, uh, but in disagreement with you on that one. I think it was the third season, the Savitar season. That was the one that was that 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 started getting on my nerves. Yeah. And um, like, because it was all about even that, like saving Iris throughout the whole season. Even that. that season, I mean, I mean, even that season, I didn't have a major problem with. I think it was a little bit, and there were, there were a few problems with the storyline, but generally speaking, okay, so Iris is his motivation. That's understandable. It does happen in the comics that he does save her in a lot of instances, but I, I think the major problem was when it started being uh, all about Iris, and season four was kind of the worst at that. It started going downhill from season four, you know, presenting the whole Iris is... Um, uh, what's the word I want to say? The 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 leader of the team, you know, the 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 the, yeah. the 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 one with all the skills, and that's where it started becoming a pain in my neck because yeah, I was like, okay, you know what? She she cannot, she could not have been. This is a four time, actually, since the beginning of the first season. Let's call it a, f um, a three year period. She was studying to be a journalist at the beginning of the first season. She was a waitress, so she's good at waitressing, and she's. Studying to be a journalist, I cannot say she's good at journalism like right away. And then she goes from being from studying for it to becoming a journalist on, on season two, which is okay. And then on season three, she drops all of that, and then suddenly, because she's running from Savitar and Savitar is trying to kill her and all of that stuff, then you get to season four, and she's basically not a journalist, not a waitress. She's the leader of a team who's very good with everything around her, including the equipment in Star Labs and including the idea that she knows she answers all the questions, the medical questions. She answers them better than Caitlin. The that's her writing problem, by the way. That's a writer who wanted to please a certain fan base and ignore the rest of the fan base and ignore logic. I mean, even when you're talking about suspension of belief, you've got to build a logic for a series and then follow it. You cannot just keep changing the logic every five minutes. That's not good storytelling. No, and it, it becomes frustrating and not enjoyable as well. Exactly. It's, and I, I do feel, I've got to say, I, I feel like the writing has hurt her as an actress. Like, it's hurt, it's made, like you said, it's made her annoying. Um, and, like, one of the problems I had with it was that she was, like, the leader of this team. But on this team, you had, like, Barry Allen is the Flash, and then you've got like Cisco, who's like super intelligent and can got his own set of powers, and you've got um, I can't remember the name, the Frosty one. I can't remember the name. Sorry, um, who's got her own powers and is also really super intelligent, and that her and Cisco are really good with tech, and then you've also got Sherlock, who's also yep. 
really super intelligent. And it's kind of like, well, you've got all these people, but she just seems to be like, I, I couldn't see the reason for her being the leader. And I had a bit of a problem with that because I didn't, it didn't make sense to me it why is, she'd exactly. be telling them what to be doing because they're going to know what to do before she does because they're kind of like the ones who will kind of come up with the solutions and the ideas to fix whatever the problem is. It, it is the trope of trying to make that one person into the hero of the series when she's not supposed to be that kind of hero. Yes. But yeah, I think, I think season six, though, of The Flash is going to be better. It does look like it. I mean, I, I watched the trailer. Um, I love the acting of Sentel Ramamurti. I think that's his name. Uh, he's the guy who portrayed uh, Mohinder Suresh on Heroes. I mean, the moment I watched the trailer, actually, I was like, I, I went on Twitter and was like, who of you thought of Mohinder Suresh the moment he watched, uh, he wa- uh, they watched the trailer? And because he, he gave me these season one of Heroes vibe. So I'm yeah. expecting it's going to be good. I'm hoping it's going to be good. He's a really good actor, actually. So I'm hoping, like you, it'll be decent. Um, yep. At the moment, I'm only, I'm sort of I still watch The Flash, but I kind of watch it when I've got the time and I've got nothing else to watch, as opposed Same to here. like like Agents of Shield. I wake up on a Saturday morning and I watch it straight away with my coffee. Um, and it's like there's a couple of other shows which I'll sort of do the same, but other than that like The Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. I still haven't finished the most recent series, but I, out of all of the DC ones, I really like Legends of Tomorrow. I'm a bit of a sucker for time travel, though. I love it. I love, like, uh, time travels, TV and films, so that kind of keeps me going with that. Um. So, anyway, we went off on a bit of a tangent. Back to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, in the finale, as I mentioned earlier, I did believe that they were going to kill off May because they kind of killed her and then she went through the portal and she was all right. And they said, oh, if she goes back, she will die. And then she went back to kind of save the day at the end. And I was thinking, she's going to die now. And then she did die. And I was like, all right, okay, so they are actually going to kill her. Oh, that sucks. There's not going to be a May in the next, like the final season. And then obviously they all turn up. Um, back, uh, they turn up and then they go back in time. Um, so one thing I was going to ask you, because you're more about the details and stuff with it, because you do all the videos on it. With when they, when they sh- jumped back in time, Fitz is not with them. So where is Fitz at that time? Personally, I'm expecting that Fitz is back in in the, it, like in the in present day. Uh, 20, um, 2019. Um, I'm thinking that Fitz is basically going to have his own arc, like his own resistance group. I'm thinking Deke is probably with him, possibly Piper as well, because we don't see Piper at the very end. Maybe Flint, because we do have Flint at that point. He's still around. He's with Piper, unless we see him. So it is possible that he's doing his own thing. I think that's as well why Gemma does state, you know, I cannot know where he is, but Fitz. Because, yeah. oh, sorry, Deke is with the team, uh, I, I believe. Yeah, Deke is with, with, with Gemma and the rest. Sorry, that was that was my bad. But yeah, in the end, I think she's, that's why she doesn't want to know where they are. Because if the Chronicoms ever capture her, if they ever access her memories, she should yeah. not know about it. That's why they, I think, I think the main reason they're going to explain on the upcoming season is 
we had to separate into two teams. That way, if one team falls, the other one is there to resist the Chronicoms and to resist the invasion and whatnot. So that, that's that's the main reason. And the best two at that point to lead the two teams are Fitz and Simmons, because they're the only two left out of the, you know, uh, top, the creme, the, the creme de la creme of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Uh, you just mentioned you expected May would die. I did expect actually something bigger. I did expect that everyone would die. Like, Yo-Yo was supposedly... Yeah. Okay, here's what I thought. I thought that May would die. That was kind of pretty obvious. I thought that Yo-Yo would die. And I thought it was like a weird twist to end up just killing the Shrike when you kill Izel and just bringing Yo-Yo back. Because I think at that point, Yo-Yo was supposed to be gunned completely. But they did it anyway. My expectation at one point during the series, like Yo-Yo had a Shrike in her. May was supposedly on the other side, but if she comes back, she was supposed to be dead. Mac was taking nonstop beatings from Patrick Kudik, and Daisy was pretty much unable to beat, beat Patrick Kudik on her own. So I was starting to think, okay, so what they're going to do right now, they're going to kill all of these people. And I was yeah. already talking, if you remember, about time travel prior to that point, because there were a few hints already at that. So I was like, okay, you know what? They're going to kill the entire team, except for Fitz and Simmons. They're the ones that are going to do the time travel. They're going to go back in time. They're going to just gather members of these te- uh, of this team from different points of ta- in time where their presence might be not all that needed. So yeah. Coulson, for example, um, at one point in time, right before he dies, maybe, and then May at that point as well, because she's got that year that she spends with Coulson, or, well, a few months that she spends with Coulson in Tahiti. She's got nothing to do over there. And maybe Mac, before he joined up with the team, maybe so- something of the sort. And that would have been a cool twist, in my opinion, but they did not go for that. They went for the uh, keeping May alive, keeping everyone alive. I think they're doing that because, in the end, they're going to kill someone by the end of next season, one or more people. But at the moment, what they're trying to do is, we started with this team, or the majority of this team, and then we added these members who have been there for so long. You're talking Mac, and you're talking Yo-Yo. And we're going to go with them into the final season. We want to do the final season with all of them. And then at the end of that season, we might kill one or more. It would be kind of realistic to do that. Like they tried to do with Coulson last season. I didn't like how they brought back LMD Coulson. I mean, this is a little bit of a controversial issue, but I, I think bringing back Coulson as an, L, as an LMD is going to be enter, entertaining because after watching the episode and even after watching my review, I started thinking about this little bit. And I found it funny. They always managed to do this one thing and kind of reverse it a little bit with, with, with couples on the series. So you've got, so you've got Fitz and Gemma. You've got Fitz. Uh, you, you've got Gemma having her own episode on season um, three. And then you've got Fitz having his own episode and, and, and on, on season five. And then you've got them having this combined episode on season six. And then you've got her looking for Fitz on season, him looking for Gemma on season uh, three, and her looking for him on season six. So they kind of do the thing, but in reverse. Like, one yeah. time it's Fitz, and then the other time it's Gemma doing the thing that Fitz was doing, and he's the one that's lost and whatnot. They're doing kind of the same thing with May and Coulson, because if you go back to season four and you look at the LMD arc, like right before the Ages of Hydra arc, Coulson was the real deal. But then you had the LMD May, like planted within Team Shield. And then now you've got an LMD Coulson and the real May on the upcoming season. So it's kind of, 
and, and and I didn't think of that the moment that I watched the episode. But then you you, you go back and you rewatch the finale, and you're like, oh, you rascals! You just did the exact opposite of what you did there, an opposite in a way, because you're just changing the person who's in the situation. You're reversing the the roles over there. It's going to be kind of interesting. This time around, though, it's going to be a little bit more interesting because uh, May is going to know that Coulson is an LMD. Um, but he's in the same situation, I think, that May was in. She didn't realize she was an LMD at first. She had all these emotions, and then she realized she was an LMD, and then she was like, uh, whoa, what's going on? And this is going to be the situation with Coulson. And I think that's going to be addressed. I hope it doesn't take a lot of time because you got, you got 13 episodes. Back on season four, you had 22. But I hope over here that they do address it, but not too much. Not take like a couple of episodes, three episodes of Coulson just being like, what the hell is going on? I'm an LMD. I, I hope we don't go for that. Besides, he's got the knowledge about the LMDs. And Coulson has been the guy who's, you know what? Shit happens. I don't want you to save me. I'm willing to die. So he's not going to take it like a baby. He's going to take it like a big guy. Yeah. My guy. So, yeah. Yeah. He, um, I, afterward, after the finale, I was, I was unsure how I felt about uh, Coulson being an, coming back as an LMD in the, the last season. Because I, I think in my head, I'd got, I kind of thought that, they, that Sarge was going to have this sort of redemptive arc where he'd you know go bad in the final episode but then he'd kind of be good and you know fight against Izel. um but like you i thought then they were gonna uh you know with like 10 minutes to go in the episode i thought oh, they're just gonna kill everyone and there's gonna be like this big cliffhanger because they'd said before that it was going to be a cliffhanger so I, th- I thought like you they were going to kill everyone and then sort of do something with time travel then next year uh-huh. so I was a bit like oh I wish they'd done that arc with Sarge rather than him being an LMD but I think because it's com- combined with the chronic chronic comms uh, technology it'll be like entertaining a bit different like you say, so I think it, you know, it could be good, but I hope, like, like exactly what you just said, they don't spend too many episodes on it. Well, I um, think what they're doing with the, yeah, he's an LMD with a little bit of Chronicom technology, and the reason he's not fully Chronicom is they don't want him to be this robotic individual. They yeah. want to make him into, you know, LMDs did not realize they were not human. They had emotions. They had emotions even after they realized because with with Chronicoms, you're gonna build a new person. That, that's that, that's that's always been the situation with Chronicoms. Enoch is his own person. Uh, Malachi is his own person. But they use the parts. It's kind of they they kind of trying to tell you he's an LMD, but he's kind of enhanced with the Chronicom technology. So it's it's but but he's an LMD at heart. So he's basically Coulson. He's got a lot of yeah. Coulson in him, but he's an LMD at heart. Um, I think one of the I know a lot of people did expect that we were gonna get um, a Sarge redemption arc in the end. And this was one of the complaints that I read online after watching the finale. Like, oh, they kept making us think that this and that is going to happen. But in the end, it kind of went nowhere. And I think it's act- it actually went somewhere. It actually was the, I'd say, it was the unexpected uh, outcome. And the yeah. unexpected outcome is way better than, you know, I, I mean, in the end, I kind of failed on a lot of theories because of that. But, hey... It's. I'd rather have something that I don't that that I didn't expect to see 
rather than having something that I totally expected and saw, saw coming. It's, it makes a lot more sense. It makes it a lot more enjoyable, let's put it that way. Yeah, and I think unexpected, uh, whether it be a twist or a storyline or the direction they take is good, as long as it makes sense to the story they've been telling. It's not good if they're just telling, sort of they're taking you in one story and then suddenly they just go in a completely different direction and it doesn't make sense. But what happened made sense to everything that had happened up till then, that he was like this creature, I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name of it, I'll leave that to you, um, was inside this body and his memories weren't his um, and they were sort of left over from Coulson. But then once he got his powers and he became the entity that was inside him, it made sense for it to go down the way that it did. It's just that, it's just that everyone assumed that because they had said like it was Coulson's DNA and he had some memories of Coulson and that Coulson's memories. So everyone assumed that that's the direction that they were going to take it in. But they didn't. And I thought... It was good. Um, it was actually, yeah, I agree. And um, in the end, the 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 role was kind of different and was kind of well acted. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So just to finish off quickly, um, I try not to keep it too much longer. Uh, series seven, obviously, they've uh, just over the last couple of days, they've announced the Rich Warburton who played uh, General Rick. Stone in the Stoner in the yes. the hologram in the lighthouse uh, lighthouse wasn't he um, yeah is going to be in it because they've gone back in time um, so for some reason I thought they'd gone back to the seventies um, but I read yesterday that it's the they're actually in the thirties because the Empire the Empire State Building was being constructed yes it it was um, being finalized so that's probably like late. 30, late 1930, early 1931, and it fits with the other statement that Daisy made, which is all about them being in the Prohibition era, like, you know, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, drinking is illegal and whatnot. Uh, but, um, but yeah, uh, the, 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 I think there's going to be a lot of time jumps, because when you think about it, Rick Stoner is supposed to be big in S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, in the comics, he's the first director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't think in this case he is, because we know that Peggy Carter is, but then again, he's supposed to be big in S.H.I.E.L.D., so you're not going to be meeting him in the 30s. So that no. kind of proves my point about the possibility of meeting uh, Peggy Carter. We know that we're going to meet Daniel D'Souza. At least we do think that we're going to meet Daniel Souza uh, because of that whole bike situation, the the, the photo that Mingna Wen posted on Instagram by mistake. And then, yeah. like, removed right away with the bikes that they gave them on the last day or whatever. And one of them had the name of Daniel Souza on it, the actor who portrays the role. So I think what's going to go down there is they're going to jump through time a few times. I think we're going to meet Daniel Souza. I think we're going to meet um, – uh, we're sure now, actually, we're going to meet uh, Rick Stoner. We might meet Agent Carter, but that's not, you know, 100% confirmed no. or – you know, it's just it's it's just my guess. And then you've got the the other ones that we might end up meeting are other characters that we've met over the course of the five seasons. Like because they're not necessarily gonna do all the time jumps before the series happens, 
they might end up traveling to a time period within the series run or even a time period before that, but where they could meet some of those characters. Like, you can meet, let's say, for example, and I know a lot of people would love for this to happen, you could meet Grant Ward in 2011 or 2010 or uh, or 2009. I mean, he was there, he was alive, he was an agent, whatever, so you could meet him before 2012 or 2013. Uh, The same applies to one of the suggestions that someone suggested on Discord a couple of days ago was what if Daisy ends up meeting Jaying before... You know everything before she became this evil person. She's, so, so she's meeting a mother now, before uh, all of this shit happened um, that happened to her. Uh, I'm actually um, I have an article open at the moment. It's an interview with Jeff Loeb. Uh, someone just posted it on Discord. Um, I'm gonna be reading it after uh, we're done. But the title of the article. And I find this interesting, Marvel TV boss Jeff Loeb on secret ABC series. So I think there's something uh, planned for ABC in the future with Mm. Marvel. Disney plus uh, Legion, Legion end, the ending of Legion, because Legion ended a couple of days ago. So I'm, I'm, like I said before we started uh, this podcast, um, Jason, I'm going to say C, but uh, I'm going to go with Jason for the moment. Sai, sorry, Sai. Yeah, Uh, that's cool. Uh, but but Jay, but but Cy, okay, so Sai, we've got Disney. Uh, I think that Disney Plus is going to be strictly or more or less uh, for uh, Marvel Studio stuff, and then Marvel Television is going to be more on Hulu. But it's always a possibility that Marvel Television is going to show show up on uh, Disney Plus as well. Uh, but he's also talking about more crossovers. We do know that one is coming up, which is basically Cloak and Dagger and Runaway. But I think. I think, and he goes after that about, like, this is the, just the title of the article, Ghost, uh, Ghost Rider and Hulu plans, and we were talking about this as well early on, like, whether or not they're gonna, they have plans for Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the future. I don't think they're ever gonna renew it for further seasons or revive it, but it is possible. The, the possibilities I'm thinking of right now are a few, uh, th- there, there are multiple possible uh, spin-offs to the series. Yeah. Uh, but there's also Ghost Rider in and out of itself as a spinoff. You could always take um, Mac and Yo-Yo and kind of plug them into Ghost Rider or Fitz and Simmons, like for uh, a crossover, a quick crossover. Yes, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. by then would have ended, but then you got your crossovers. Ghost Rider and the new Halstrom series are probably going to end up um, at one point or the other because they kind of could tie in in a lot of instances. So they could end up having crossovers. Um I'm expecting a lot of good stuff for Marvel Television. I love Marvel Studios, but I'm a big fan of Marvel Television. I mean, in the end, you get three movies a year. That's a total of anywhere from six to, let's say, nine hours. If you do a three-hour movie three times a year, that's the max you're going to get. But with Marvel Television, you're getting at least, at the very least, you're getting at least one series of 13 episodes. This year, you're actually getting 10 with Cloak & Dagger, 13 with Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I think 10 or 12, not really sure, with Runaways. So getting, like, 30 hours of content a year. And I love the idea that I've got 30 hours of Marvel content besides the movies to watch when I'm waiting for the next movie. It's a good thing. And you've got also 10, uh, 7 hours of Legion. So, yeah, that, that was really that, – that's, that's really good. I, I'm hoping – that Jeff Loeb does a good job there because Jeff Loeb as well is a good comic book writer. So he's got it in his blood. I mean, 
Kevin Feige, in the end, is a producer. Jeff Loeb is not just a producer at the moment, but also a comic book writer, which kind of helps. He knows his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the... Um, oh, I was just drawing a blank. Sorry, completely what I was going to say. Um, so I'll just go back to what I was going to say previously. I'd like the season seven to finish with... I'd like to see Peggy Carter... Uh, I'd like to see Hunter and Bobby return. Um, you know, anyone... Um, oh, what's the guy? The, I forget his name. He, he was to do with the Centipede Project. And he had the, he came back at the end of one of the other series. Um, I can't forget his name. I'm drawing a complete blank. But yeah, I'd like to see return, like Ghost Rider, um, Hunter and Bobby uh Peggy Carter, and like we're going to see Rick Stoner. So I'd like to see in the time jumps, kind of see a lot of returning characters, particular you know, particularly the pop popular ones. But um, and one of my favourite things actually about Avengers Endgame is the scenes where they go back to the Battle of New York, and you see scenes you've never seen before, and you see scenes from a different angle and stuff like that. Like they could do that with any of the seasons. Um, other than the one which is set in the future by jumping through time and stuff like that. So that could be quite interesting as well. It will be, yes, yes. I think it's going to be enjoyable. I think season seven is going to pretty much have the show, hopefully, uh, go out with a bang. So, And I'm hoping uh, with the future of Marvel Television, they kind of connect everything as well, at least on a TV level, uh, while still possibly doing a reference here and a reference there to the movie side. But the, the I think... Jeff Loeb at the moment is starting to believe, or that's the the, the feeling I'm getting, that he's got to do with the series, what they're doing with the movies. Now that they've got everything controlled by them, like a lot of stuff controlled, including two streaming services, they could always, they don't need to opt for the Netflix option, for example. So they've got all of their stuff in one place. They could even revive the Netflix series when they, uh, when when the, when the the grace period they've got where they cannot use the characters is over, and then they can move them into Hulu and start like integrating everything and connecting everything. Uh, they've tried to do that with, with with some of the series. Like you've got two Luke Cage uh, references, uh, actually one Misty Knight reference and one Luke Cage reference when you uh, watch Cloak and Dagger season two and season one. So um, Misty, uh, I believe it was Misty that was referenced by Misty Knight. It was referenced by uh, what's her name? Um, again, forgetting names. But yeah, Misty <clears throat> Knight was referenced on season one, and Luke Cage was referenced on season two by Tyrone himself. So okay. you, you've got a lo- you've got these little things that are there, but you know you can do something bigger when you've got all your stuff in one place. It's easier for the movies because. You're not owned by a network. You're producing the movie, and you're, you know, um, uh, just releasing it. And and yeah. that's the beauty about the movies. And with the new streaming services, the TV, the TV side has got this opportunity to do the same thing. Yeah, it, it could be a, if they could get all the Netflix series and all the, if they can get them all on Hulu. You know, it could be something quite special. Um, there we go. Um, cool. Thank you for joining me, dude. Um, so tell the people where they can find your stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
I'm trying to remember my Twitter handle. I don't, <laughs> dude, I have zero memory sometimes about stuff that's concerned me. But it's at what underscore the underscore geek, I think. You, you, you can put that in the description of the video when you yeah, post yeah, it. Yeah, I'll put it in this. But basically, um, but basically, the channel is what the geek on uh, YouTube. Uh, I do Ages of Shield videos. I do some other stuff. It's usually stuff that interests me. Uh, a lot of people will think I'm not always consistent in posting. Sometimes I'm not because of work constraints, but some other times my inconsistency is in and out of self-consistency because I only try to post when I've got something to say and not just post for the sake of posting. That's not something that I do with videos. Thank you for having me today, man. Uh, it was really good, interesting conversation. I've got a couple of thoughts in my head just because of this conversation. might end up you know, uh, bringing up ideas for a couple of videos. So thank you so much. Cool. No worries. Thank you for joining me. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at AceCast underscore nation and YouTube.com slash AcePodcastNation and uh, all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and loads of others. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for watching, everybody, and we'll uh, see you next time. Cheers. Podcast Network.